the website names.org has released the most popular baby names for 2019. And on the, the list of traditional boy names, the top seven are the following. Liam, Noah, Logan, James, Oliver, Elijah, and Benjamin. Which means that yet again, for almost 2,000 years, yet again, Judas did not make the list. Judas is, of course, one of two of the apostles named Judas, the most famous being Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus in all four Gospels, the one who betrayed Jesus with a kiss. And so now this other one is named forever as Judas, not Iscariot. In later subsequent tradition, there's a wonderful, really lovely tradition around Judas. He becomes St. Jude, the patron saint for lost causes. He's the patron for lost causes because of his unfortunate name. He's also the patron for lost causes because we know so little about him. So we can just project anything onto him we want and identify with him when we're feeling forgotten or unknown, a lovely saint for those times. The most significant, the most interesting name in this gospel reading, however, is the name of the one Jesus calls the Holy Spirit, the Advocate. We're at a really incredible moment in John's gospel. This cathedral is named for John's gospel. And we're at a moment in which John or the editors of John or whomever crafted this this gospel, what, what John is wrestling with is something really profound. And it's a crisis in the early churches, a crisis for the apostles and the leaders of the churches. And the crisis, as crises often are, is a crisis of identity, a crisis of identity, And the first dimension of this crisis is alluded to in this very gospel reading. I will not be with you much longer. I will be going away. And that's the crisis. These resurrection appearances, which have so mesmerized us if we've been paying close attention these few weeks of Easter, these resurrection appearances eventually come to an end. And the fact that John is wrestling with this is is one of many reasons why this is the gospel It was probably written the latest compared to the other three. We can relate to that that end of the resurrection appearances in one small way. Those appearances end for us, at least in the sense that the Easter season ends for us. We eventually in the church, in the liturgical season, move on to other themes, other stories, other nuances in the life of Christ which mirrors the same thing that happens within our own souls. We move on to other themes, other mysteries, other patterns that we need to pay attention to. One thing ends, something else begins. So it is always with God. The second crisis of identity was maybe just as stark. And it was, because this gospel was written so late, it was the death of the apostles, the death of the Judases, the death of, more importantly, the Johns, the Peters, the Mary Magdalens. 
This is the gospel that alludes to Peter's death at the very end. I tell you, Peter, one day you will not go where you want to go. Others will lead you. So what happens to the churches when the founders are no longer there? It's a crisis of identity in in, in so many families and communities and even businesses. What happens when we move to second-generation leadership? They're wrestling with all of that. And John's solution, solution's too strong of a word, but John's solution, his response to all of that, is the Holy Spirit. Relax. This invisible animating presence that's been with us from the very history, the very beginning of the cosmos, throughout the Jewish scriptures, across religions, across time and places, that animating spirit is related to the risen Christ's very breath, and that spirit is going to guard, guide, and enlighten us wherever we may be. In other words, it's more important to have the spirit than it is to have a priest or an apostle. The tender image in this gospel reading is that all of that, the Spirit, the Creator, the Creator's child, the Christ, is at home in us. Is at home in us. The home here is not a sacred place or a mountaintop or the temple. Or a cathedral. The home here is not even just a, a, an abstract larger community, although it includes that. The home here is, is more personal than all of that, as John describes it. And it's a home within us, deep in our souls, deep in our bodies. And if that sounds a little abstract, all you have to do for a moment in order to get it is just take a deep, deep breath. Because that's what spirit primarily means. It's the breath that is within us. The breath that gives us light and enlightenment and joy and wisdom and all kinds of gifts. That's the spirit that is within us and at home within us. I think one of the most important things to get when you think about the spirit being within us is to think about how messy this home is. The Spirit comes into our own bodies and souls, and it's messy there. Prayer is one of the ancient ways in which we become aware of the Spirit's presence within us and within the world. And we should, therefore, not imagine prayer as a form of spiritual housekeeping, Prayer doesn't necessarily bring more order and focus and cleanliness to our inner lives. Prayer sometimes is just the opposite. It can be a confrontation with all that's within us that's ambiguous and dark and confusing and mysterious. And inviting the Spirit into all of that in the most intimate of ways, especially in our most vulnerable moments. There's a, a depth psychologist who's a theologian whom I love a lot. Her name is Anne Ulanov. She's, she's an Episcopalian. And I just learned a couple of weeks ago that she was one of our new bishop's favorite professors, um, which is wonderful. And Ulanov has this fantastic, if you're looking for some summer reading on prayer, I don't know that you are, 
she has a, a magical book called Primary Speech. And it's about praying in these authentic ways. And she says in this book, writes in this book, that prayer opens a door to the unconscious images that are in us, images that we didn't even know we possessed. Prayer opens that door. And that's why prayer takes a lot of courage and a whole lot of time. These are the images that come to us strangely in our dreams. These are the images that come to us in our memories as we go back through them. These are the images that come to us when we really open our mind and heart in an unhurried way to all that we face and invite God into all of that. In a word, growing in self-awareness. Growing in self-awareness is one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your neighbor. Growing in self-awareness is not navel-gazing. For how can we love our neighbor if we don't know ourse- love ourselves? And how can we love ourselves or anybody if we don't truly know them? Prayer opens us to all of this, which is why it takes courage and time. A couple of weeks ago, Broderick, our, our canon for liturgy and music, <clears throat> he and I were spending time the afternoon with a jazz musician who's a theologian. That's the way Broderick and I roll. <clears throat> and this jazz musician, we were, we were spending time with him because he's the, the consultant and the musician who's, who's been helping us um, expand the repertoire of, of the music at the wilderness, the dynamic e- even service, evening service that we have and, and for Lent, we'd had jazz the whole season, and we were, we were reflecting on how it went and thinking about the role of jazz in theology and in American culture. And at the end of this conversation, this jazz musician said, I want to say a prayer. And we stood up, and he said a prayer. And it was the most wonderful extemporaneous prayer I've just about ever heard, and, and it included this petition. He prayed, descend, O Spirit, into our lived experience. Descend, O Spirit, into our lived experience. That's a prayer to pray every day. It's a prayer we can't understand once, but many, many, many times, opening our homes, our souls, to the Spirit of God. And of course... The Spirit of God has already descended, has already in Christ ascended, welling up within us. That work is done. Christ is always, by the Spirit, united with us. So it's a prayer, ultimately, not just for God to come closer, but it's a prayer, ultimately, about us, that we might become more aware, more conscious, as Dr. Olenov says, of the unconscious more aware that the Spirit is at home deep within us. The Spirit has made that home and is our breath each step of our journey, wherever it may lead.